What's happening, everybody? Welcome to episode number 42 of the A1 Auto Body Podcast with me, your host, Nick Sands. Today, I'm talking with my buddy, Danny, who made an incredible short film called Old School. I would really suggest you go and check it out. It's awesome. Um, yeah, that's it. This is going to be my interview with him. You can find the link to the video um, in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoy it. Definitely go check it out because it's wicked cool. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the A1 Auto Body Podcast with your host, Nick Sands. Today, I am talking with Danny DeTorice, um, a filmmaker, Mustang enthusiast, and all-around cool dude. How are you doing, Danny? I'm good, Nick. Thank you for having me on. Much appreciated. How did I deal with that last name? Uh, very close. DeTorice instead of yeah. say, but... uh. Good. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> you're you're fine, man. Don't worry about a thing. Um, so the way that I found you was you made a short film called Old School. Um, do you want to tell us what kind of the premise of that was? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, look, getting high in California is legal, but but to be honest, yeah, I was a little stoned one night, and uh, I just. I don't know. There was this guy I knew that, that said, you know, like, dude, you're just so weird. You're this like old soul guy. I mean, I, I can't even, you just sit around listening to old records and you actually hear anything worth hearing. It just seems like such a waste of time. And I just was like, how can you think that's a waste of time, man? It's, it's so important to, to examine history, you know, cause that's when we can really learn things is when it's already happened and you can see the results. And so I just, decided to write this script and I banged it out in one night and uh then I read it the next day sober and I was like this is actually pretty good <laughs> and um uh I had a buddy of mine who went to USC uh named Zach and um he currently uh, has a production company called Chaos Theory and um I had done my first short film in Los Angeles with him and and he cast me in my first ever uh, film role uh, and we really hit it off with uh, uh, Seinfeld references on that set is when we became buddies. Um, and we were going to Seinfeld trivia about once a month after that. Um, it, it took, well, he had a couple of years till he graduated, and I took a couple of years in L.A. to even kind of get on my feet. But we, we, we met back up and started talking Seinfeld again. And then I sent him the script. And uh, he just said, I dig it, man. You know, let's shoot this thing. And, and, I, and he gave me a a nice rate and I, I paid for it. I, I rented the car. The, the guy who plays Jake is my buddy, Charlie. I, uh, I threw Charlie some money and, um, we just shot it out back of my apartment. Um, and it was just a blast, man. We shot it on my birthday actually. So it was kind of a birthday present to myself, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of my piece to speak. I, I, you know, I, Obviously, like as an actor, you're, you know, I, I guess it's a bit egotistical to write a role that's a lot like yourself. But the character's name was Vincent. He never even says his name in the short. But um, we we developed the story around him. It was sort of one snippet in time of Vincent's life. And there was all kind of information we invented about why he had to sell the car and all these things, none of which you see on screen, but um, <laughs> it, it wasn't just a, you know, this sort of masturbatory ego flex of this is what I think. Like we did invent a world for this guy. Just, 
um, you, you, no, no, no one knows the work that went in. All you see is that, that product, you know. That's cool. Do you, um, that's interesting. So you, you, basically the film centers around the sale of a car, a very nice car. <laughs> yes. A whole lot of soul. Um, and so there was, like you said, you have your, your character, Vincent, and I actually didn't know his name until just now. <laughs> yeah, no, no one does. <laughs> how, much, how much work goes into, like, creating a character like that when you are, you know, I mean, that must be kind of frustrating for you to create all that backstory and all that kind of world building, and then you come into it and anyone's only ever going to see this moment. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, yeah. I will say, like, the way we kind of viewed the moment was it was sort of this this crux. Like, he, had, you know, he, he needed the money, and for a long time he didn't want to sell the car, but he finally caved, and he was like, okay, well, I guess if I'm going to go back to school, I, the car's got to go, and I just need to grow up. Um, and I think in the end, the, the information he invented around his, you know, storyline um, – I think just added to the stakes of the scene. You know, I know it's it sucks that it's like we don't get to cut to a flashback where we know the motives or whatever. <laughs> but I think the result is these those little moments of you see how hard it is for him to part with the car. You see the the weight of the decision to say, you know what, no, I'm sorry, I am keeping it. I don't care what I ask to do. This is just not worth it to me. And so in those moments of, you know, if you see the stakes on the character's face, you know, you understand what it means to them. That is least, at least to me, the result of the, the lead up stuff that you don't see. And so I think as long as the result ends up on the screen, it's ultimately worthwhile. And people's reaction to, I mean, I had never made something of my own that was broadcast on such a broadcast uh, that was uh, posted or distributed on such a grand scale. And again, it only had like, you know, 500 views, but, but still anything I had written for like a college uh, comedy sketch troupe was viewed by, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe 80 kids, you know, and that was it. That was the end of it. So to, to have a, a, a film with a budget and an actual cinematographer that, you know, that had 500 people see it and then show their family members and then post to Facebook and they shared it to people and, and people talked to me and then there are commented and they said, you know, this was just like when we had to sell my uncle's T-bird after he died and it was really hard to find the right buyer. And, and I had, you know, some of my more woke friends come in with like, Oh, I could totally, relate to this feeling of isolation. And I had other people say it was just really funny that it was such a, a, a comedic piece. And other people said, it's not funny at all. It's a very serious piece. And the fact that we got reaction, the fact that I felt that I had, I had touched people, I had made people think something or, or at least have an impression was more rewarding than whether or not they interpreted the story correctly. So, because the fact that they gave the time to interpret it at all, I think, is, as an artist, very rewarding. Well, I think what was cool about it is that anybody who's ever owned a car they really cared about, right? Whether that car is, what year was the what year was the Mustang that you guys used? 
Um, that one was a, a 65, I think. 65, 66. So even if it's a 65. Even if it's a 65 Mustang, you know, that's perfectly all original and, um, you know, just absolutely mint. Or, you know, it's a beat up, someone's beat up car that they work on on the weekend, you know. Um, right, right. That love and that connection to that vehicle. Um, I think everybody, anybody who's ever had that can definitely feel that and connect with that film that you made. Thank you, man. I, 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 I appreciate it. That was, uh, definitely, honestly, man, I don't even know if that was one of the goals. We're, we're certainly happy that it ended up being so. I just, I was at the point where I was like, you know what? I want to make my own thing. I do not care what people think. It's just what I want to say to the world. And, <laughs> and, and the fact that people did find it relatable was just, Icing on the cake, man. I don't know. You know, I've tried to write relatable things in the past. I, I've tried to be like, people are really going to eat this up. And then people <laughs> and then people don't get it. You know, it's like it's only when you really don't care. That's when it, it – it's that's the way it goes, you know. It's when you really try and you really think you know what's going to happen. It doesn't. And then when you when you really just do it for the hell of it, that's somehow when it ends up paying off. But But – I'm really glad that people found that element of relatability. Because when I watched it finally after Zach was done with the editing, um, it was just, it was cool. My buddy Calvin, who's a, a filmmaker in uh, Colorado, Calvin Shepard, um, and I had a screenwriting class with him in Colorado at the university. Um, he watched it and he said, dude, from the moment that camera comes up to you, you know exactly what the scene is about. He, he said, it's about a guy selling a car who doesn't want to sell the car. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's it. He said, yeah, it's all over your face, man. I said, well, great, you know. So I guess anyone who's, yeah, w- whether it's a nice car or a, a piece of shit, I guess, yeah, anybody can relate. So that's a good feeling. Have you always been into Mustangs? Because I, I saw that you own a Mustang now, and you just seem to really love them. Yeah, um, my dad is a Mopar guy. He has a, a 70 Challenger. Um, and when I, you know, I, I hate this because it makes me such a damn cliche. But I'll admit, when I saw Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage uh, when I was a kid, that Eleanor Mustang just, it jumped off the screen, man. It's just I such that's, a good... I mean, you know how many people love cars today just because of Fast and the Furious? I know. It's it's stupid how much the, the films and those movie cars, man. I mean, the sale of the 68 through 70 Dodge Chargers just because of Dominic Toretto. <laughs> like, I I wanted a Charger for a little while, and you get looking, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> they're just, um, they're unbuyable, unless you're one of those Barrett Jackson guys that's got, you know, deep fucking pockets and uh, has a collection, you know. But for a kid who just likes the lines on them, forget, you know. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, I saw, uh, gone in 60 seconds and I just loved the lines on that LMR Mustang and for a long time. I wanted a fastback, but like most middle income young people, they're like, Oh, fastback, kind of keep dreaming. Um, but, uh, I'm in that I actually don't like the, I don't like the fastback as much as the normal. Really? I don't like them as much. No, I don't think they, uh, I think they almost, they almost look like they're trying to be a Porsche instead of just trying to be what it is. Interesting. Yeah, oh, dude. I prefer the normal Mustang to the fastback, but I'm a weirdo, and I know that. So, 
No, no, dude. I don't think it's weird. Well, I've never driven one, but I would guess the blind spots are horrible because <laughs> the <laughs> the C pillar's so big. Um, Maybe that's part of it, though. I mean, they're just for dragging, right? So you don't really need to turn. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, totally, completely. I, I guess I've never seen like a true. That's true because what's his face? Um, Jerry Titus, uh, who he raced a '67 or '68. It was a white one. Um, in like uh, Trans Am racing, uh, and his was a coupe. If you just Google like Trans Am Mustangs, they're always coupes. You never see any fastbacks. So you may have, you may have a point there. Yeah, I, just um, never, I don't know. They just never spoke to me. But maybe I don't know. Maybe it could just be like the. I don't know. I just don't like them. Like I said, they just kind of remind me of a portion. I feel like the Mustang is like such an American you know, icon that it should really be its own. It shouldn't be trying to be something else. It should just be being its own thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, but yeah, my, uh, when I was 14, um, my dad, uh, and I started looking on Craigslist for Mustangs and, uh, we found a, a coupe and it was a straight six, uh, with, there was a California special with a, uh, or a high country special with, um, with a straight six. And I don't know, because I feel like the high country would have come with a V8, but maybe they took the engine out. I don't know. Regardless, <laughs> we didn't pull the trigger fast enough, and it sold. And uh, it happened a few times till we finally found this uh, uh, white 67 with a black vinyl top. And um, I really wanted it. And once again, my dad was like, oh, I'm sorry, it sold, son. And I was like, God, you know what? Just forget it. I don't even want the car anymore. This is so stupid. You you can't pull the trigger fast enough, Dad. God, you're so <laughs> hesitant. And and uh, then um, about a month later, I came home on my birthday, and the garage opened, and there it was, and I felt like a real little dick. Oh, uh, I, but the worst. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, I yelled at him. I, um, I didn't yell. I guess I was just a little disappointed. But still, um, no, yeah, no, it was a uh, what. Don't try and double back now. We already know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a great little car. It, it took us about two years. I was fourteen, so I couldn't have driven it anyway. But it took us about two years to get it roadworthy um, and get the brakes working and everything. My dad always was like, "Son, we need to get the brakes working." And I said, "But I really want really cool side view mirrors." And he said, <laughs> "Functionality first, aesthetic second. And I've always been the other way around. I said it's got to look cool first before we make it go. Because if I we make it, with that sentiment. Yeah, because then you got people looking at you when you're driving. And they say, "What is that piece of shit?" Yeah, Little exactly. do they know, it runs like a champ. You know, <laughs> they can only you can only go so fast, you know, without getting in trouble. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, my my dad's at work, but I wish you could hear you say that, Dan. Uh, but yeah, dude, that's that's how the the pony came to be in my life. That's awesome. And did you did you grow up in LA? Uh, no, no, I grew up in Westminster, Colorado. I went to college in Northern Colorado, and I, I moved to Los Angeles right after I graduated uh, to to do film. So you moved to to California specifically just to do film? Yeah, I mean, I I love television. Don't get me wrong, and and of course, like. Jesus, of course, it's every actor's dream to be a series regular and, and get that constant paycheck. Like, you know, I, I know that, like, um, you know, Matt LeBlanc hasn't worked a lot 
sense friends, but who cares? <laughs> like, you know, th- those, those paychecks from friends are doing just fine still, you know? So, um, a series regular would be great, but at the end, my passion is definitely film. I just, I love the story arc. I love how, you know, you commit to something for two hours and you know that you will be whisked away on a thought out structured journey that is going to end with a piece to speak and a lot of TV, you know, they just write it to keep you watching. And there's like, Oh, but now, she's cheating on him. Oh, and I'm like, you guys just wrote that in. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, I, uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, film's definitely my, my, uh, my top one. It's so I, I actually, there was a time probably like only a few years ago where I would have said that, you know, film is far superior to television, but recently, like with kind of the ability of Netflix and like the the streaming services to to release full seasons all at once, right? Uh, I feel like television shows are so much more like movies now. Like instead of just being a two and a half hour movie, it's like a ten hour movie or a twelve hour movie. Right. Is that um is that something that you've noticed too as like a professional person doing it? Yeah. Um, is it I kind mean, of like start... game? I guess is the question because it seems like something like that would. Is, sorry, you said is it kind of aim or game? What was that word? It's changing, is it kind of changing the game as oh. far as shooting and writing and and because um, like like for instance the what the what was the TV show I just recently watched? I felt like did you ever see the show um, Lone Lone Survivor Designated Survivor? No, I know the title, but okay. I haven't seen it. It's basically just like a president or whatever, but like it feels like it could. It was supposed to be a movie, and then they were like, you know what, we can do better than that. Or, like, we can do, like, let's really load up on this story, and, like, let's really just kind of go all in, and we'll make it, you know, 25 hours instead of two. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it feels like it's kind of changing how films are coming together. Is that true, or is that just me making it up as a a hillbilly? No, no. <laughs> I don't think you're a hillbilly man. Um, uh, um, yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. I think with some shows, it is definitely that way. I mean, I'll, I'll go out and, and say, you know, the, the one of the biggest ones of them all, Stranger Things. Um, you I know, they, I, right, it, it's so goddamn good. I've never met someone that's like, oh, that show? <laughs> Stranger Things for some reason, everybody it seems to like it. Even people who you would think, like, because I have, like, some neighbors, and, you know, they're, like, they're more, I, I think that I'm kind of a weird adult, whereas, like, I feel like they're more, like, of an adulty adult, you know? Like, they really killed, <laughs> really, they really, like, grew up, and, like, now they're, like, living a real life and stuff. Right. Um, and, like, even they're, like, yeah, I love it. And I'm, like, really? That's amazing. Like, Matt, like, I just can't, I don't know if it's, like, a nostalgia trip for people or what, but everybody loves that show. Yeah, right. It's so good. Um, I know what you mean being a a, a non grown up grown up. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Um but uh yeah, I don't know what it is. I think, you know, it, it does have I read this one article that said it was not written to be uh kinda like Meet the Goldbergs. I don't know if you saw that. That was a network one, I think it's on NBC or something. Um, but that one's more of a nostalgia trip of like the 80s was the 80s. And they just sort of like, you know, it's 
constant barraging with 80s movies, 80s telephones, 80s haircuts, whatever. But Stranger Things, they said they don't want it to be a nostalgia piece. They said they want it to be a great story that takes place in the 80s and that immerses you, but it won't be a nostalgia thing, like a romanticism with the 80s. It was just, it took place in the 80s and it was just going to be flawlessly immersive. Um, and so it's, I think in that way, it is a period piece that's done very well. Um, as opposed to like, you know, like Happy Days, where it's just like, it's a 50s show. But this one was like, I consider Stranger Things a great fucking story that just happens to take place in the 80s. Right. But I, I really wouldn't call it like nostalgia or, or romanticism necessarily. But, um, yeah, I, what people like about it, I, I just think it's like it's got – it's got that wonderful vibe of like the Goonies or Stand By Me that like, you know, those, the good old, the, the kids, kids are doing better than the grownups, you know, and everyone, <laughs> everyone likes to you know like, oh, the grownups are dumb. They're, they're, you know, they're still, they don't know who the Demogorgon is, but the kids do. Um, you know, every, everyone loves that. Um, because I think a lot of times in real life, it's like that. It's like, fuck, guys, you know, the, the the grown-ups of this world really do make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying. Um, and then uh, I think sometimes we feel like our inner child is the one that's got it figured out, and, and maybe that's who that plays to. I don't know. Well, I think um, there's always like like in the in a movie in a show like that, like the adults are always getting caught up in everything else, right? They're always getting caught up in like in like the politics of things, or like they're getting caught up in like the like the disbelief, like there's no way that could happen. Whereas the kids, I think, are able to react in a way that, you know, we would like to react, and that's to just tackle the problem head on. Right, absolutely. Instead of having to go around, you know, like, um, like because adults have mortgages, and, you know, you get it, you get it <laughs> you're, like, you're like, oh, man, like I got so much, I got so much riding on this. Like I really better make sure that this is right before I actually yes do something about it or like there's got to be another explanation other than a demigorgon doing this you know um, <laughs> yeah absolutely whereas i think i think that that inner child in all of us is just like no like just go do it you know just go out there and start working on it and then by the right. time you're done, you know man then the grown-ups will catch up <laughs> right well and then i think we've we've all seen enough fucking movies where where the guy sees the ghost or whatever and he's like you can't be real you can't be. And I'm like, guy, look, I know you're going to think it's real by the end of the movie. So can you just figure it out, please? I don't need to see the whole, oh, oh, now I see. Like, like we've just, we've seen it so many times of like, and it's with the Santa movie, the ghost movie, the monster movie, all those ones where the person is like, no, no, it can't be. It's like, I know you're going to think it is eventually. So can we just get there? Um but yeah, I uh, the, when you do the kids, it's definitely a fast track because they don't need to doubt it. And then it's got that little bit of horror for my, my mom always closes her eyes to the demigorgon parts. But I know <laughs> other people that's their favorite part, and it's 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 not that there's so much of it that if you don't like horror, you can't watch the show. You, you know, it, it's like it's it's just enough to kind right. of broaden the audience, which is good. Yeah, I thought I thought that whole show was great. And actually, what you were just saying about like. Um, you know, like tropes and like, and knowing, you know, like you always know that this is going to happen and you know that that's going to happen. I actually thought that was one of the things that stood out about that, 
movie or about the movie you made old school is that even though you you knew that these two people who were meeting for this car sale like they weren't going to see eye to eye but you didn't know where it was going to go like when at the i'm not going to spoil it for anybody but like the ending to me actually was a surprise i i i didn't expect i thought it was going to go a much different way than it did um and i liked that i liked the fact that i didn't know the ending before it happened because that drives me crazy Dude, that, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, full disclosure, that ending was made up on the day we shot. <laughs> um, originally in the script, my character was just kind of a douchebag the whole time, and he was just like, you know what, fuck you. <laughs> and that was the end. And we were like, that's not hopeful. <laughs> so we, um, it did end up changing a lot, uh, in part to, to Charlie, who who played Jake. He, uh, Man, that guy just brought you know, it's just amazing the kind of shit that gets improvised when the camera's rolling. And some of it's just when you're, when both actors did their part to, to, you know, live the life of the character and understand where they're coming from and where they're going. And, you know, Zach didn't yell cut and we just kept going and these little nuggets of gold come out and you're like, Oh my God, we got to keep that. Holy shit. So, um, it was a surprise to all of us, but, um, we shot two different endings and Zach said, I'm going to edit it. And when I get to the end, I'll see what, you know, is the, you know, whatever feels best. And then I always trust him because I think the man's a fucking genius. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was a, I agree, man. It was something that even I, the writer did not expect, but it, I, when I saw it, I said, no, that's gold. That's exactly what it should have been. It was. That must be kind of a good. weird thing for film because you, there, there, there must be like a lot of improvising and that kind of thing that happens at the moment, but at the same time, like it's your story. You know what I mean? So it must be weird to kind of be able to give over that control of something you made um, and trust everybody around you to, to, I guess, add their own kind of flair to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I remember my my buddy uh, Daniel Marin. Um, he's an actor in LA as well. Um, he, he just once told me, he was like, you know, man, let them do their jobs. He said, if your job is to be the actor, that is what you majored in in college. That is what you go to class for. And, and that's what you know the best to do. So don't try and tell the makeup artist how to do her job. And, and that's what a set is. Like, I mean, I will say, you know, having majored and growing up doing theater, the actor has a lot of roles to play. And I know that's roles, sorry, a lot of uh, duties in, in the theater. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you know, you, you are the one doing the blocking, moving from place to place. You, you know, you are essentially doing the editing because the, the pacing of the play is kept up by the actors. You are, you know, doing the comedic timing and a lot of the direction just is based on your portrayals and where you stand and what you do. But in film, the actor is much more a cog in the machine. It is like you have one job and it's to stand right there in your light and say the line (laughs) and and, and that's it. And, um, and everyone else is going to, you know, do your makeup, get the lighting right, apply the score, you know, make sure that your eye line is right and that your face isn't turned too far so they can't, you know, there's all this little shit that, you don't know until you get on set. And that was one of my first things that I figured out is I was like, dude, you are just a little tiny piece of this movie. And, 
and uh, and let the other people do what they came here to do. And the way I see it is, you know, Zach, he freaking uh, he went to USC. He uh, he had a they have a Steven Spielberg day over there where Spielberg comes in and talks to them. I didn't have that in my school, <laughs> so you know, I I I, I trust him. I, for me, I'm like I, I let him run with it. And Charlie, you know, if he hears this, I do think he's a bit funnier than me. So um, half half the shit he added in, I was like, oh man, I never would have thought of that. God damn. So by the end, so 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 by the end, I was like, yeah, you know, whatever Charlie says, it's probably better than what's on the page, at least comedically speaking. I, I still I I still think um, the writing still had a a lot of heart that came. That's my department, I guess, is the, the heart and the, the heart and the wisdom. That, that's where I like to come in, but the. Maybe the jokes I kind of leave up to the the other guy. That's and the humbleness. Better. And the humbleness is also you. Oh, thanks, man. The wisdom, the wisdom, the heart, and the humble. <laughs> I gotta get that on a on a business card for myself. <laughs> I, I think that, that sounds good. Um, would you? So when you hold on, let me rephrase that. Yeah. All right. Sometimes my brain gets way ahead of my mouth, and I just kind of stumble around for a minute. Um, good, my man. Did you always want to do film, like growing up, or is it something that you just kind of came into a little later, like high school, or? Yeah. Um. I will say, when I was a kid, um, my I I I played with cars a lot as a, a young man, young boy, <laughs> um, and. Uh, my dad said he would always catch me on the floor with, I would, I would have the car in my hand. I would be in sort of like a crawling uh, stance, but then I'd put my head on the ground upside down. If you can kind of picture that. And then I would look at the cars upside down, but still at ground level. And he was like, I don't know what the hell you were doing, but you just wanted to see the cars as close as possible, I guess. But I don't, I've just always liked the, the image of things and the, the way things move and, and then I think the first time I saw um, Mr. Smith goes to Washington with Jimmy Stewart in my government class in sophomore high school social studies or whatever. Um, and you see Jimmy Stewart go up there and just fucking give it his whole thing. Um, it, it just, I don't know, it was just so cool to me that this guy that is long dead and gone could still, his, his spirit could still touch us all these years later. And and to me, it's just like that's what film is. It's it, as egotistical a sentence as it may sound. It, it is a brush with immortality, you know. But also, it's you know, humanity doesn't really know why we're here. We don't know who's listening to us. We don't know if there's aliens just a few light years out that are, you know, taking notes on everything we're doing. But for all we know, movies are our way of saying this is who we think we are. This, you know, or who we wish we could be. I think a lot of times our reality is so freaking dreary and there's all these, you know, rich dudes that wrote the rules long before you and I were born and, and that's just how it goes. You know, they say death and taxes. <laughs> and, and, um, and, uh, and there's not a lot we can do to change that. And if we want to go into politics, have fun. But um, I, I think that movies are kind of this way of saying, all right, you know what? Maybe reality sucks, but if we could have things our way, the one time that, you know, we actually would go after the girl we really love, the one time we actually would stand our ground and say to that bully, fuck you or, or whatever. And George McFly 
nailed Biff in the face. You know, you know, like those are the times that maybe in reality we we couldn't get right, but we wanted to write the story that way because if anyone's listening, that's what we wish we would have done. You know, and, and that to me is what I love the most about film is that it, it will always be there, and it's not just like theater. Where and again, I love theater. It is so cool to be amongst the actor and be right there as they bear their fucking soul. But again, I just, for some reason, I just think film has just this, this wonderful lasting effect that you can return to it again and again and again. And, you know, shit, man, I can't tell you how many times I watched like The Breakfast Club or, I mean, obviously Back to the Future or Star Wars or whatever, um, uh, Shawshank Redemption or, you know, Field of Dreams or whatever. And still to this day, you'll have moments where you're like, oh, my God, that is still so um, relevant. And and that to me is like, that's why we do this shit, man. We don't write it. I mean, well, the good ones don't just write it to fill seats in the theater and make some fucking money. They do it. <laughs> that's to, nice, though. If that happens, that's great. <laughs> yeah. It does, yeah, that does happen. We won't talk about that. The 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 era of the franchise that we live in. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I've always wanted to to be a part of that that machine of saying like, no, I, I want to tell humanity's story. I want to, you know, I just I I believe in the good in, in us. I, I believe that we are worthy of a, a hopeful future and i think star trek was one of the first things that ever gave us that vision of like guys we can do this we can get there and and i think film when it's done right or at least when it's done the way i wish it was it will do that for people it will it will give them hope and give them a vision that we can aspire to be um and that's i think why i've always liked it and why i've always wanted to be a part of it um yeah long there you go off the soapbox i'm done no, I'm dead. um that film does have and this isn't um necessarily like film movies but film as a whole like the ability for us to capture something and then have it remain essentially forever yeah it's something new and it's something we're 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 still kind of wrestling with right like um, it wasn't, I don't even know, when was the first movies even made? The early 1900s, like 1915-ish? Yeah, right? something like that, yeah. So, um, like, if you think about that, so it's only been about 100 years that we've even been able to do this, right? We've even been mm-hmm. able to. But, like, one thing that I was thinking about when you said that was I, I'm a huge Muhammad Ali fan, and I'm a huge boxing fan. Muhammad Ali is my favorite boxer of all time. Um, and like, I can still go back and I can watch his fights and I can watch him, you know, his press conferences and, and those, when I watch those things, like I watch, you know, I watched the rumble in the jungle the other day, um, where he fought George Foreman and watching that, watching that is still to me an emotional experience. Um, even though that fight happened long before I was even born, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah just because, you know, the history of it all and, and the the odds that Ali faced and, and all this stuff leading up to that and then for it to culminate in that way and in a way that I can I can watch that fight and understand what's going on and understand everything around it. It's just that's not something that we're used to, right? Like it used to be that like a fight like that would happen um, and then, you know, 25 years later, if my grandfather was there, he might tell me a story that's like 
half remembered or like half embellished, you know, and then Ali jumped 10 feet up in the air and came down, you know, and, and knocked out, uh, George <laughs> Foreman or some, some crazy. Yeah. I mean, like there, there was no, there was no record of it, but now I <laughs> right. And what's cool about it is that even that the truth, the actual fight and the actual story behind it is more powerful than any embellishment that anybody ever could have made up, you know? Yes. Yes. But that ability to like actually see the truth is something I think that humanity is dealing with. And we're not, we still struggle with that. I think, um, even in a situation like your movie where, you know, the truth is, is written, um, but it's still a truth nonetheless. You know what I mean? I, I feel like yeah. I'm getting a little bit too poetic here, but, um, uh, we're we're past we you know we got poetic about fifteen minutes ago. You're, you're all good. I think that permanence is something that humanity is still learning to kind of grapple with. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, that's that's interesting, man. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got a camera now. I got a camera right now. I shoot videos of myself all the time, doing nothing. Take I know, I know, right? It's, it's <laughs> you know, um, it's just it's. Very weird that, like, it used to be, you know, your kids after you died would find, like, a, bo- a shoebox with, like, your pictures, and they would go through it, you know. But now my kids, they'll they'll have my Facebook, you know. I mean, I'll be able – they'll literally have my son will be able to take this, and after I'm dead, he'll be able to listen to this podcast. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll get something out of it, or at least maybe he'll be able to pretend that I'm still there. or You know, that's some powerful stuff if you think about – if you think about the lack, the lack of days ago way people post things online and, and the the way that people act sometimes online, mm. the fact that it's there forever and your kids will one day be able to go back and see it, that's a powerful thought. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, it's it's not – I mean, hey, look, I, I know that it is a very common thing, so I'm probably about to maybe not make a lot of people too happy right now, but I can't stand the one-word Instagram caption. I can't stand it. <laughs> When they're like, you know, like Friday blues, what the hell? Are you, what? <laughs> you're like, come on, you know, like, don't you have anything to say? Come on, like, but, and then you know, you got guys like me that every Instagram post is a novel, and then it's always the, the like the here's my latest realization, guys, and <laughs> this is just what I've been th- so. I don't know who's fucking doing it right. I don't know, but. Uh, well, what's weird about Instagram is I feel like a lot of times, like, I go the caption, right? But, like, the picture, in my opinion, when I do it, I just think, like, well, the picture should already say what I'm going to say down here anyways. So a lot of times I feel like I'm just grasping at straws, you know? Like, here's another truck. <laughs> <laughs> this post is going to be a shocker for everybody, but it has, you know, 10 wheels on it. <laughs> here's so, another truck. Like the picture, the picture is should be enough, and I have to come up with this caption afterward, and I'm completely lost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess shit. I don't know. Well, because but you've got a you've got a clearer brand than me. That's the other thing is that like you like people know what they're coming to when they when they come to your page. It's it, it, it is you know it is trucks. That's what they're there for. I I don't know. I know some guys are like you should do a page just for your car, and I'm like I don't really. I don't know why I don't want to do that. I don't know. I don't know. Instagram's like takes all kinds, I guess. 
it is whatever well, think, you want it I, to be. I think the thing with the internet, at least that I've found, is that you should just be honest. And you should always just be as honest as you can. Um, and you should just put out yourself, right? Because, like, you know, like a lot of times if I mess something up, or not me, but, like, let's, I don't mess anything up. But let's say something up. No, just of course kidding. you don't. Yeah. Let's, let's say someone else messes something up. I see, you know, they'll argue in the comments about, like, whether or not they got it wrong. Whereas right. if, someone, if I mess something up and someone tells me, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I messed up. Like, I'm not going to lie about it. It's clearly right there that I that I messed up, you know what I mean? I yeah. Just think, um, I just think honesty as far as – and just being as open as possible um, – as far as the online thing goes, is the way to be. Because that way you can never get caught in a lie. <laughs> because you're always being straight with them. I agree, man. It's, um, I don't know, like, that's that's what's scary about the age we live in. I had one of my favorite acting teachers, Jim Neeb, at Margie Haver Studio in Los Angeles. Um, he, he said, uh, you know, the reason a casting director is having an audition is because they don't know what they want. He said, if they did know what they want, they call the guy in right now, you know, so if the fact that you read the page and you think, you know, that they're looking for, Oh, this guy's a nerd. I'll play nerdy. You have done yourself an immense disservice by trying to fit yourself into this, you know, cookie cutter thing. They don't know what they want. So go in and be the most interesting version of the character. And the most interesting you can be is by letting yourself, informant because you are one of a kind and that is you know total mr rogers but um but i still remember that and i'm like he's he's so right it's and that's what's scary about our world is that i feel like there's all this stuff of like well in order to be pretty you have to have big lips and look like kim kardashian in order to be masculine you have to have you know six-pack abs and look like captain america or whatever but it's like come on man you know the more we try and be what we think we ought to the more we lose ourselves, it's like, Jesus, man, like, who even are you? You've done a wonderful job at being who America thinks you should be, you know, you know, and you meet people like that. They're like, well, hey, man, look, you're killing it with the absolute perfect image of what the media says you should look like. <laughs> but have you really ever stopped to ask yourself who you are? And And it's just, and I'll say, you know, I think we all feel those pressures like, oh, God, I got to I got to hit the gym. You know, I got to you know, I want to have that cut jawline so I can be what everyone thinks is handsome or whatever. But, you know, it's like the harder we try to, to blend and to and to conform, I don't know, the, the more we, it, it, it's scary because I, I feel like a lot of the Internet today is just trying to tell you how to be and. I don't know, man. I don't know if we're going to lose a generation of people to to that. And, you know, I I don't know how long it'll last before people say, fuck, I don't have an identity. I Lucky don't even know. I don't know who I am. You know, it, it's scary. Lucky for me, I was born very handsome, so I don't have – I don't know <laughs> with that. So that's nice, actually man. very – I've not felt those pressures, luckily. Um, but actually, the thing that you just said about – the casting director not knowing what they want. Um, I actually heard a funny story the other day about, I'm sure you know who Danny DeVito is. Yeah. Uh, and he was on a show called Taxi, which I'm sure that yeah. was like, everybody knows the show Taxi. The way that he actually got the job as Lou is he read 
the script and everybody had gone. He said there was like 50, 60 people who had gone in ahead of him. And he was reading the script and he was listening to the people in there. And he was like, what? That's not what this get Like, he's like reading it. He's like, I know cab, like, he's like, I actually have known people who run cab companies. Like, that's not what they sound like. So he went in and he said, who wrote this crap? Through the, <laughs> through the, um, the thing on the desk. Right. And like, yeah. And he proceeded to go, you know, be the that character who turned out to be exactly what they wanted. Right. He didn't even read from the script. He just went in there and was a disgruntled cab owner. And that's how he got the job. I just thought that was funny. And then oh, no, yeah. <laughs> it totally comes back. Absolutely. No, that's that dude. That's absolutely what I mean. It's, yeah. And like that, he, you know, if he had done whatever, and he's an excellent example of that anyways. He's like, He's always been short. He's always been chubby. He's always been bald. You know, like he's def he's definitely not what you think of when you think of a Hollywood star. You know, and then today he's like one of the most famous people in the world. Right. People love him. Every time I search my name on IMDb, his is the one that comes first. You know, I always go Danny DeVito. There he is. That should, uh, be, but... that should be your goal: is to beat him on the IMDb. Oh, you know that's not about. I'll here. I'll put that on the the bulletin board of the, you know the inspirational notes. That's not bad because you know to be the first Danny D on the search list. That's pretty good. That would be. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't want. I don't want to beat him though. You know, he's a nice. He's a. He's he's a great guy. I I would. You he should. did a great job in Hercules. I'm sure, you know. he's a great guy. But if I was you, I would want to absolutely crush him. Oh my God! <laughs> all right, all right. You, see, but see, that's like you said. You're like, but you're the humble. I'm the humble one, so I don't have that, that, uh, that thirst. I, mean, uh, I just mean internally. I would never say that in front of people. But I'm of just course, saying, if that was me, I would be like, oh my God, he's such a nice guy to everybody. But then on the inside, I would be like, I cannot wait to knock you out of the number one spot, you short, fat bastard. Oh my God. <laughs> But that's just what I would be like on the inside. I would be very nice on the outside. Cordial, even. Cordial, of course. <laughs> Damn, dude. You may, it's inspiring. I got to I gotta have a better sense of competition in me. Oh, Lord. It's the, only, it's the only way to be. If you're not number one, who cares? If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> exactly. That's right. I, I, uh, when I used to fight, you know, we, we got... So I used to box, and we would get if you lost, you still you got a second place trophy. How ridiculous is that? Like I'm gonna yeah. keep a trophy that says I lost. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You mean a fight between two people? Between two people. If you lost a fight between two people, you got a second place. You trophy. got a second place. <laughs> How absurd is that? That's I would. So... You gotta be fucking kidding me. That's <laughs> honestly, be... that's so funny. That... <laughs> I came. I got second place in this drag race. Yeah, that, what? <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh my God! You never believe took took two in this drag race drag race this weekend. Right. Insane. Yeah. No, they called me back into the ring. I thought they were calling me up to make fun of me more. Turns out they were giving me. It. I mean, I guess they kind of were. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess so. I, yeah. Oh my God. Oh Lord, man. That's that's some funny shit, though. Do you, what did you do with the trophy? You throw it off the roof or anything? I threw it out. What the hell do I need that for? <laughs> nice too. Well, so, I don't know. I would have like, 
it would have been like a ritual or something with me. I would have burned it or like, you know, hit it with a hammer or something, something like to say, no, I say no to you, you know? No, I just threw it out. It didn't, it was, it was not a, it was so inconsequential. I didn't even think about it. I just threw it out. Who cares? That's good. (laughs) I think that's very mentally healthy. You gave the least shits. I think that's good. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, my fight career didn't take off. So, or fortunately, actually, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, is this like is old school the first movie that you like wrote, directed, and starred in? Um, yeah, it is. I do want to correct you. I did not direct it. I produced it, but I did not direct. Zach directed. He offered Sorry. it to me. He said, "Do you want to direct?" I said, "Nah, I don't have the degree in directing." So I, I just I, of movie and people is very low. <laughs> it's very small. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Yeah, no, I, I wrote it. I let's just change it to uh, funded slash made it possible. That, that's that, that's what I. That's kind of my roles as producers. I just I made it a reality. You know, I I got the money. I got the car. I got the actors. I got the location, and, and that was my job, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's awesome though. And you act and you started in it. Right, don't, right. That's the big one. Don't talk down about it. That's amazing. That's a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, I. I don't know, man. It, it's. Uh, I, someone said. I don't even know who said this, but they said, you know, the key to happiness is something to look forward to. And I will say that, like, ever since, I mean, you know, the virus is just threw a wrench and all that. But when I wrote that, and then I started writing more, and then you know, I, we were renting a a 70s Cadillac for this next one my buddy Perry and I do are doing about a couple of mobsters which is going to be so goddamn funny if we ever get a shot uh, um, <laughs> but um, again just even you know we, we, set, we set the shoot date I rented the Cadillac we you know had assembled a call time and a location and we were going to do it at the end of the month and that was weeks away but even that that that, that feeling of we're going to do it, you know, we're, it, 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 it's, it, it's coming at, you know, May 29th or whatever. Just that made me feel so happy. I was happy to go wait tables during the day, which is unbelievable <laughs> to say, but, but, <laughs> but it's true. It must be weird going from like, you know, waiting tables to like, you know, on the weekends you're, you're trying to make your dreams happen. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be any weirder. It just seems more, exciting i guess because you know the idea of like making movies and stuff just just seems so exciting although i guess it's no different than you know anybody who's kind of doing a, doing something on the side but it must be very um you know you're you're essentially funding your dream right now until it takes off right yeah yeah pretty much um i will say that like you know i mean i i can be a real dick about money i i, I feel like you know because my dream is self-funded it, it's like when i want to take a class when i want to edit my reel when i want headshots or whatever that is a week's worth of tips you know and i got to work through that week to get that chunk of money and, and it's like and i know some people can you know just you know ask mom and dad or they're born with it and bing bang they can take two classes a month you know me after rent's paid and the and the the cars got its maintenance and all that, I can only take like one class every two months. So my track to stardom or, or you know whatever is is a lot more slow going and you know tortoise versus the hare kind of thing. Um, but again, it's 
it's it's just cool, you know. I, I wake up and all, you know, waiting tables is hard. It, it's but again, it's it is an actor's job because behind <laughs> the scenes in the kitchen, everything is just like, where's that chicken for table three? You know, is it everything's going <laughs> to hell back there? Um, but you know, you go out in front of the customers and you're like, hi, that's coming right up. So you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's definitely an actor's job um, <laughs> because you know, if 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 they only knew. <laughs> how how much of a goddamn scramble is happening behind the, the you know closed doors but uh um yeah i had one boss he said friday's the big game he said practice is monday through thursday friday's the big game and he was right man oh lord the restaurant and it, i think it keeps you young that's one thing you get your cardio in and you drastically. Yeah, I I don't know which one yet. I don't have the carpal tunnel in my hands yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just a good feeling to to know that you know I'm on my own two feet. I'm doing my thing that I wanted. And as much as it's like I don't have a lot of money, it's not the most attractive thing to say on a date. In fact, I try and avoid the actor word. Um, uh, <laughs> so, um, right, they're, in, they're in LA, so they're like, all right, this is like the sixth actor I've met this week, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I, you know, I do have a girlfriend now, so I'm very, I'm very happy. And then, but it, it took a lot of, took a lot of time <laughs> to get there. Um, sorry, she, she's listening over here. She's like, uh, <clears throat> um, but anyway, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling. I, Waiting, waiting tables is hard, but to know that you're doing what you want is a good feeling, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the goal, right? I mean, I think there was a time kind of when people thought that like, or there, I mean, I think a lot of people still think like this where they, they think like, you know, I'm going to get money and then I'm going to get happiness. And then like, I'm going to get half, I'm going to like get this job and I'm going to work it and I'm not really going to like it, but I'm going to get two vacations a year, you know, and I'm going right. to, you know, I'm going to get a house and then at night I can go home and I can relax and I have my house and I have my family and like, that's enough, you know, and I'll work this job that I absolutely hate going to every day um, because I get kind of those perks on the side. And I think that people are really starting to come around um, to where they realize like, you know, maybe that's not the way to go. <laughs> maybe I will take 10, thousand twenty thousand dollars less a year to just actually enjoy my job or enjoy my life um, yeah spending eight hours a day doing something i hate yeah i mean that's dude that's what's crazy is that there's no right way and it's it just i mean it kind of sucks <laughs> it's like there's <laughs> like i i hope i choose the right path we'll see in 20 years you know when i have no retirement and they do or whatever um <laughs> but uh <laughs> Because you know, I mean, you like you said, you have you have friends that are more quote unquote grown up. I have friends from high school that just posted, you know, their Facebook. This is my firstborn son, and I'm like, son, I can't even afford a fucking dog. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Um, but uh, it's just you know. But again, I I live in Los Angeles, and 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 they live in our hometown. And not that anyone's doing anything better or more right. That's not what I'm saying. But it's just. I think we all get out of life what we want out of it, I guess. And for a lot of us, that changes. I, I, I for sure, me and my roommate were both like, I don't know, man, maybe I do want the white picket fence. Maybe it's time to quit. And 
I don't know. It's it's tough. I'm about to sh- I'm about to show you how much of a, a loser I, I am. Um, so I used to be like super into playing like World of Warcraft, right? Nice, nice. And many many years ago in World of Warcraft, like when you put your every level, you used to get a point, right? And you put your point, and it's like this in most video games now, like you know Call of Duty or whatever. You get a point when you level up, and you get to put your point into the different perks of your class, right? And like sometimes life just feels like you've been putting the perks into all the wrong slots. And you're like, is there any way you can go back and maybe, like, change some of those, you know? And yes. It's like one of those things where, like, you get halfway and you're like, wow, maybe this was a mistake, you know? <laughs> I thought I invested right. <laughs> I, do the same thing with this, I do the same thing with this podcast all the time where I'm like, man, like, I put a lot of time and energy into this. And, like, I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy the hell out of it. That's why I keep doing it. But, like, you know, a lot of times it feels like I'm putting these out, but is anybody really listening? But then yeah, dude. people send me mess. I get messages all the time of people who are like, oh, my God, this late, your last podcast was so awesome. It was, you know, I loved it so much. Um, and, like, that that really, you guys have no idea. I'm speaking to everybody now that, like, you have no idea how much that means to me. Like, it's literally those times when I'm, like, I go from being, like, I can't do this anymore to being, like, you know what? Maybe maybe ten more episodes. Let's just see what happens. You know, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. just those. Sometimes it it can be feel very isolating when you're doing something and and you're not sure if anyone's really watching, right? Because like you said, you got a couple, you got like five six hundred views on your on your video, but then when you're thinking about it, at least what I do is, you know, I'm like, well, how many of them actually listened to it? Or how many of them actually watched it? You know, how many of them turned it on for three minutes and then shut it off? You know, how many? Right. You know, and you kind of start kind of picking at yourself like that. And then, like, pretty soon you go from, like, wow, I had, you know, five, six hundred listens on that podcast to, like, oh, who cares? No one probably liked it anyways, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you mean, yeah. But, like, sticking it out, I think that really is the, the most important thing because at the end of the day, we're still doing something we enjoy, you know? Right. And, I mean, the other thing is that, like, there's just so much crap out there, you know, like, it's like, okay, well, you know what, if you guys didn't like mine, you like that guys, <laughs> you know, and then you like, you see some weirdo on Vine that's like doing the stupidest shit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that? That's what you thought. So, um, so like, you know, man, it's, I, I remember I watched Bruce Springsteen's one man show on Netflix, which is fucking good. Anyone listening, go watch it. Um, it's also a little sad. It uh, talks about getting old and stuff. Um, but he, he said that when he was in Jersey as a young man playing, he said, I knew I could make it because I knew I was better than half the crap on the radio. And and I said, that's all. I mean, it's it, again, it sounds a little egotistical, but, you know, man, I think that's the big thing is that, like, if you feel that your podcast is better or at least achieves some level of greater heart or wisdom or you know, touching people in a way that that other stuff is just like, God, you know, that's just a cheap laugh or whatever. Stay with it, man. And if you've got people reaching out to you saying this meant something to me, there's your answer that, you know, people don't do that if they don't mean it, you know, time today, the people's time today is so goddamn valuable. The, the fact that anyone takes the time to type out a message is I think very meaningful. So I'm happy for you. Yeah, that's true. That's how I try to think of it. But, you, but, you know, sometimes sometimes when you're, like, in it, you know, in it, like, I, I think about back to the first 
episode I ever did. I sent 200 emails to try and find someone to come on my podcast. Damn, dude. Uh, and, like, I was just like, hey, you know, I'm starting this podcast. And you're like, come on, 200 times I said that. And, like, you know, maybe, like, 130 of them just never responded. And the other – and then, like, you know, the other ones – or, like, the other 67 said no outright. And then three people were like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you weirdo. And then uh, – <laughs> and, like – so I think back to that and I think back to, and I think to now where like, you know, now I send out one or two emails. So like something's happening, you know, or it feels like something's happening anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, people all the time tell me they're like, Oh, well you just have to believe it. And the universe rewards. the universe rewards people who work hard. And <laughs> I don't know how much I believe that, but I will say like, I will say after three years in Los Angeles, I, have started to feel the benefits of my labor, you know, not immensely. So like, it's not like I just signed a $50,000 contract for a series regular, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> um, but again, like when I first moved there, uh, my nightstand was a cardboard box. My mattress was on a steel frame and, and I had a lamp <laughs> in my bedroom and that was it. <laughs> and and my uh, table waiting was not steady enough. I had to rely on my family to give me 500 bucks a month to even get by. And slowly but surely, I got a better job. I was able to get more pay. And three years later now, I can fund my own production. That because of the connections I have made and because of Seinfeld and <laughs> and and, um, and and because of, you know, just my ability to declare that I will stand on my own two feet that I could fund my own production and could continue to do that until COVID, but you know, we'll, we'll get past that. Um, but it's just like, that's it, man. You know, you just, you know, just stay the course. I think, I think you're doing fine. It's uh, I hear you though. I, I, Oh Lord, do I hear you on the, I going back to your, um, World of Warcraft poorly invested points thing. Um, I uh, I had a teacher in in um, college my senior year, and that's also when La La Land came out. And so two sources were telling me do a one man show, just like Emma Stone did in La La Land, do a one man show. Um, and so my second year in Los Angeles, I actually booked one that was called Forever Brooklyn, and it was about this kid who wanted to be a stand up comedian. And, <laughs> and, um, and I, like you did, I fucking, God, I sent out so many envelopes to casting directors and managers. And like, I was like, this is it. This is my, you know, and he had like hired like an advertising guy. We had like, like we sold out two out of the six nights, which were, and it was an 80 seat house for me and nobody. So that was great. But did anybody come to it who opened any doors for me? No. Did I spend a year? getting the, all that dialogue memorized and, and you know, uh, you know, arranging bookings around it so that I wouldn't be, you know, too busy or with uh, lines and stuff. Yes. Do I consider it a waste of time? Not really. You know, it, it didn't do what I wanted it to do. But, we, you know, man, we just, we got we to keep shooting darts at the dartboard. It's just, that's what Will Ferrell said. 
Um, <laughs> it's just some things will work, some things won't. At least you're trying. You know, it's I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it'll pay off or not. It, I, don't, I think whether or not it pays off doesn't matter. What matters is we love it, and it'll make a great story one day. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> or it'll Any, end yeah. in, a, in a ball of fury. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's I I do honestly believe in, in – I wish that I had a way to look up the study right now, but the, the number one thing – Right, so it was always said like the number one thing, the number one key to success is persistence. Right, just keep showing up. Right. Actually, statistically, was proven. Like, if you just keep showing up, like your chance of doing something just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Right. So, like, you know, for instance, like, let's say you and me, like, you, I have you on my podcast today, right? So, like, now, like, we talk, you know, whatever. Um, you know, five years down the road, you know, for all I know, you're a big shot director, you know? And right. Like, now, like, this conversation is going to come back and, and you know, we're going to have that connection already. I do, and I do believe in the in the power of connection. I believe in, like, the talking to someone and, and opening doors. And at the end of the day, I really think that, like, human connection is the thing that's the game changer like that's the thing that changes everything for everybody is that human connection and, and knowing someone is always going to yeah. be more important in my opinion than and like showing up and like being willing to like open the door being willing to to say yes i think that those things are all that really matters i think if you have those three things if you are willing to say yes when the opportunity arises if you're willing to ask Right. If if you're willing to send out those hundred envelopes, if you're willing to lick those hundred envelopes to send them out, right? <laughs> yeah. If you're willing to ask, if you're willing to open the door when it's time, and if you're just keep showing up, I honestly believe that if you do those three things, that you'll be successful in anything you do. Although I have no way to prove that because I'm not successful yet, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. How <laughs> <laughs> I'm not successful. Yes. But, so this is a you know, this is kind of a prediction. So if it turns out good, awesome. And if it doesn't, who cares? Because no one's going to listen to it anyways. <laughs> right. Well, and then it's like you know, and then you know, one day on your deathbed, you'll look back and you'll say, "I gave it my best shot. I really did. I didn't quit. I did not well, quit." With the way technology's going, I won't die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so take, take, <laughs> sorry. So take that universe. <laughs> I'm not gonna die. Um, oh God, man! I hope they don't figure that out. I I'm not. I mean, I, I don't think anybody needs more than a hundred years on this earth. Because like part of me, so it's always been my goal to live to be at least 120. Nice. That's where I want to die. At the 120. same time, I'm like, man, imagine like, because. You know, I don't want I don't want to get weird on this right now, but like I have no idea what's coming next. You know what I mean? For right. all I, I'm trapped in this meat soup on this floating rock, and like the next level or whatever is way better. And then I've just wasted 120 years here. <laughs> right, dude. I I'm so glad you called it a meat suit because how did you? <laughs> when did you hear that? I got some hippie friends in college that started saying that, and then I started saying that. 
I have no idea, to be honest. <laughs> I think I read it in a meme, like, years ago. Nice. Well, now all your viewers or listeners have heard a meat suit. Because that's what it is, man. It's like, it's a vessel. It's, it's a vessel. It's a... Uh, I don't know. I, I agree. It's uh, who knows what comes next. But then on the other hand, I'm like, wow, what if there really is nothing though? <laughs> I mean, you know, and uh, 120 years. If that's the next thing that's coming, is nothing. 120 years doesn't seem like that long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, dude. I I know to like to you and me and like you and I, our greatest aspiration is just to like be very knowledgeable and a nice human being and and make some money and have a good life and maybe own a bitchin' car at some point um, <laughs> or several. Um, but, but you know, there's some people who are just like, I want to conquer the world. I want to imprison all people who look like this or whatever. And, you know, to those guys, I'm like, yep, I think <laughs> – that hundred year mark is really gonna be good for you. So <laughs> you know, so I uh it's a shame that there's not like a application form for immortality. But uh, uh I'm afraid that like if it's gonna be available to everyone, maybe it's a best it's available to no one. But but that's because there's a lot of weirdos out there. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That's what I mean. I'm like fifty fifty. I'm like how the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I could really be swayed in any direction on the immortality issue. <laughs> well, I hope the scientists give you a call when they're near a breaking point, and and you know when when they they say, "Hey, Nick, we figured it out. What do you think? Should we should we get a a, a patent on this bad boy? You can yeah. tell them what you think." They're going to be ready to break through, and they're going to be like, hold on. We have to call that idiot from New Hampshire. We have to call the Auto Body Podcast guy. Hold on. we got to call, gotta call that, that Auto Body guy. Make sure everything's kosher. Make sure everything's kosher. Hey, man, is this good to go? Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think it should go either way. We'll see what yeah. happens. I just we'll hope see. that whatever happens. Um. You know, I can just keep doing what I love, ultimately. That's all I really want to do. I want to hang out with my family and do the things that I enjoy. As long as I can do that, then it is what it is. Life will go on, or it won't, I guess. I think that's very wise. I, uh... <laughs> Super wise. I'm fucking wicked wise, by the way. <laughs> not, not only am I very handsome, also very wise. Just so that uh... I... <laughs> well, well, if we don't get the immortality passed, I'll, we'll get that on your headstone or the I'm fucking wicked wise. <laughs> what he said. Um, that's that's good, man. Well, I think about like, you know, I think about our grandparents and like shit, like some of the greatest tech, technological. Pro, oh God, come on. Technological feats or uh, whatever in their youth was. Oh Lord, I don't know. I was gonna say the radio, but I. Regardless, like you know, something involving you know, or when the sewing machine went from being powered by a foot to powered by an outlet, you know, and to think that they went from that all the way to now, my grandma has a smartphone, and like, to to have lived through all that, I think. I don't even know how she takes it. Like if I was my grandma, I'd be like, Jesus Christ! Now we got this thing, <laughs> you know, like. But you and I, I mean, I don't know, I'm I'm 25, so when I was in school, we were learning on those big-ass gateway computers that were those pale, ugly, white plastic. 
How old um, are you? 25. Oh, yeah. So you're just a child. Yes, I'm just a child. I'm 30, um, 32. That's so where all came from. The next seven the, years are going to be really big for you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> oh. I can't. I can't wait. I hope I'm. I hope I'm fucking wicked wise by the end. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All the wisdom <laughs> in the next seven years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, like you and I, like what shit? We the greatest feat of the '90s technologically was probably the first cell phone, and and now we have computers in our hands. So who's to say that by the time we're 80? what the hell will even be, you know, like, I don't even want to, th- I don't even know. Like, God. You can't even, I, it, it's so, I think that's the weird thing about technology is that, like, if we knew what it was going to be, then it wouldn't, we would already, we would know to work for it. And I think that the biggest, like, nobody saw computers coming. <laughs> no. Nobody, nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw, I mean, I remember my Buddy had a sidekick, so like we were. I was. I didn't have a sidekick. My friend had a sidekick, and we all shared it. Right. So like, there was like five of us, and we all had like flip phones. And then one of our friends had a sidekick, and like we would all use it to like. <laughs> nice. So I don't even. You might not even remember sidekick because you're not. You're. But sidekick was like the phone. That was like the original iPhone. That like you could like. That was the first time you could like go online with it. You could like. You just do stuff. You had a keyboard. It had like an analog keyboard, so it would like flip open and then you would type on it. Like you didn't have a digital keyboard. That was cool. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it, yeah, like I remember that. And you would literally, you would go, so you would Google something. It would take like, you know, it could take as long as like 10 minutes to load your Google searches. Like it took forever to do anything. And we thought it was so amazing. We were right. like, blown away like i could it would have been easier for me to drive home boot up my computer get on, <laughs> that would have been faster than using that fucking thing and we used it ever like constantly you know yeah <laughs> it's just funny that that how far the technology has come in such a short amount of time and it doesn't even feel like it's been that it's like i barely remember using that thing you know I yeah, dude, same. I, I like I think about my iPod that was an iPod that you know that had the little round thing, um, and yeah, God, it feels like I hardly even had it before. It's funny that they still sell iPads or iPods. Do they really? Yeah, they still sell them, which is seems so silly because it's just a cell phone that doesn't talk. You can't talk to people. <laughs> Right, I feel like most people do Spotify now anyway, or Spotify or Pandora. I'm weird. I still buy all my own albums. Oh, dude, good for you. Maybe. Well, I don't buy them. I don't. I just buy them on the iTunes store. Like I don't buy like CDs. You know, I I, fi- I figured that's what you meant. I I, I, I didn't <laughs> think you meant you buy CDs, but um, I kind of latched myself to the. To iPhone though, like so I can never change to Android because I bought all these albums on iPhone. So now I'm kind Dude, of. <laughs> I started with Android. I just made the move to iPhone. I do like iPhone better. So, and I'm not being paid to say that. That's that's just a legitimate diagnosis. But we are be, we are willing to be paid to say that if anyone from Apple is. Listening. <laughs> yes, that is also true. <laughs> 
Um, so I actually just have one more one more quick question for you today. Uh, what? And actually, I didn't. We so it's been like an hour and a half, and normally I would just be like, "Hey, man, I've asked all the questions, but I really need to know what was your first experience with reality TV like?" Oh Christ! Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, um, okay. Actually, they're. I'm gonna give you the first. I'm. I'm going to give you the first experience. Um, uh, so uh, I guess I can't give you the name of the show, but um, it was a blind date where um, I thought it was just a blind date, uh, but it was going, you know, swimmingly. It was going very well. Not a nice young lady, and we were hitting it off. Um, and uh, then, uh, the, you know, the director yells cut, and he's like, okay, guys, so – you didn't think we were just going to let you go on a date, did you? And, and I was like, uh, what? And, and I was like, I, I think I said, I said, is there an obstacle course? And he said, no. Um, well, we're going to have you pull out your phones, and uh, one of you is going to go in the back room while the other one goes through it. And, uh, oh, Lord. Uh, the, the, I think I went first, and he said, okay, search the, go to her text search the word sex. And I said, Jesus Christ, like you guys are going right for the dirt. Um, and uh, I, I didn't think, I didn't find anything too bad on hers, but I think when she got to mine, um, she had found this old text uh, from a friend of mine in high school who um, we just had this running joke that she would at some point show me her boobs. It wasn't, it was just a running joke. It was kind of stupid. But um, at, at this one point, um <laughs> My, my my buddy Nathan, who is uh, a little overweight, he kind of has some man boobs, and um, she said, "Hey, I'm going to show you my tits." And I said, "No way, let's do this." And then they sent me this video of cleavage, and then it pans up, and it's Nathan. And I was like, "Oh, you, damn it!" And and I texted and I said, "I haven't had sex in three years, and you do that shit to me." <laughs> and and so they found that text. And then I come back into the room and everyone on the crew who hasn't said shit to me since we started shooting comes up. The big guy is holding the boom mic is like, hey, man, that's a long time. I'm sorry. I was like, get the fuck away from me. Nobody don't talk to me. And so, like, you know, everyone's having this pity party for Danny who can't get laid. Um, but uh, and, that, and that made it to television. So that was not great. Um but uh, yeah, that's that's one of the experiences. That's excellent. Oh man, that's so. I've always wondered how reality TV shows are shot. That's very like I didn't realize there was a director and stuff. Well, just that's for that so again, I, I want to make a blanket I don't know statement. That segue. <laughs> yeah, this, that's not every show. I don't know how they do every show, but this one was more sort of, I guess, a game show sort of. Um, and again, the directors there just kind of to keep pacing or to make sure we stay on topic or make sure we don't, you know, go down any paths that we can't televise. <laughs> did you did you get that? Did you end up going on a second date with that girl? Uh, no, because her visa expired and she had to go back <laughs> to Canada um, uh, or something. And she really, I know that sounds like, oh yeah, right, dude. She just didn't want to go on a date. But I'm telling you, she's in Canada. <laughs> I swear. Um, but uh, yeah, no, she was nice. I, you know, I I got her number, but um, it wasn't wasn't meant to be, I guess. 
I'm mostly just I'm mostly um I hope that Nathan has a good redemption arc here and he actually lost a bunch of weight. He uh he just uh you know, he looks I, I okay, maybe I, I he's a good looking guy. I, I make I, I wanna make this clear. He's not by any means like like stupidly overweight or obese or anything. He he's like he's an attractive young man. He just he just has some man boobs. I, I just I, I I probably shouldn't have said a name. That was my my fault. Nathan would have known. It's okay. Nathan, it's okay. I'm fat too. I thought. Uh, oh God. I oh Jesus Christ. I there's no there's no taking that out because I think I said it like three times. So well, but oops. So I didn't mean to ruin your friendship. But that was a fantastic story. How long were you in Hollywood, or how long were you in LA before you got called in to do that? Um, that was my first year, I think. So that was yeah, as a cautionary tale to all young actors. <laughs> <laughs> I know the two hundred dollars sounds really nice, but <laughs> but you have no idea what they're gonna do to you because you sign a contract that's like, yep, do whatever you want to me. I will. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> so, yeah, you you can't refuse. Um, once the cameras are rolling, your image is theirs. Is it you <clears throat> when you moved to LA, like, and you were going there to do acting um, and become an actor? What is that like? Like, what are those first couple things? And like, when do you kind of move out of the like, I'll do whatever, to like into when are you, when do you get into a position where you can kind of start? like actually being like, I don't really want to do that or I don't, I do want to do this or like, or have you even, have you gotten to that point yet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh man. I think, uh, unless you're fortunate enough to either a be born in Southern California. So you have the support system there or B mom and dad are just fucking loaded and will fly out and see you every couple of months. Um, unless you're one of those two things, you are going to be pretty homesick and you are probably at some point, whether it's a one year, two year, three year mark, feel like Jesus Christ, I uploaded or uploaded, uprooted my life and I am alone and I, you know, have made a new group of friends, but this isn't my family and this isn't my home. And is this really worth it? And that's that really hard look in the mirror when you have to say, do I love it this much? And what is it that I love about it? And, and, and that's, I think, when you get specific. Because when I moved to L.A., all I knew is I want to act. I love acting. But that became not enough to me. And, and when I really did get homesick and, and did kind of have to have that thing of, like, is it time to move back home? Is this just too hard on my spirit and, and on my family and on my heart? I had to say the part of it that's worth it for me is the storytelling and is the ability to sort of have my piece to speak with the world through the medium, through the medium that is film. And that is when I wrote old school is when I said, no, this is what's going to keep me here. I said, I'm, I'm done going out for shit scripts that I'm like, you know, I read the thing and, and it's like I said, it's like that bad TV when, when they're like, Oh yeah. Well, I heard you fucked him. Oh yeah. Well, she fucked him. And it's like, Jesus, none of this actually happened. Okay. It's, it's like, 
why are we reacting so much for this bullshit relationship drama that is, you know, it's like, I'm not leaving my family for that. I am not, I'm not leaving my family for, for crap. You know, if, if I'm going to stay out here, it's going to be for important stories and, and, you know, important philosophies delivered through the medium of, of film and, and meaningful characters and, and relationships. And if I can't find them, God damn it, I'll write it myself. Um, so, so that is sort of where it became for me. And I think you'll meet people like that in LA that like, they know what they're there for. They say, no, I am this. I, you know, I am passionate about this specific thing and this is what I'm here to do. And I think those are the folks that are going to last. And, you know, there's a handful of folks that are like, I just love acting. I love it. And I'm like, well, if you love it that much and you really just love embodying characters more power to you. It's not that I don't love it, but I think I love my family more than that. But what I, I love, I think, the most and what does keep me there is that element of storytelling and that element of artistry and, like, creating something meaningful. That is what I have to say. And and that, I think, is what keeps me there. Well, that passion definitely comes through in your films um, and in your acting. And I have a feeling that you know, all of us are going to be hearing a lot more from you in the near future. Thank you, man. That's, that means a lot to me. Where can people find you? Uh, my primary um, account is Instagram, and it's just at uh, Danny DiTorice289, uh, 289, because that's the small block cubic inches of my first month. Um, <laughs> and that's uh, D-A-N-N-Y-D-I-T-O-R-R-I-C-E-289 on Instagram. Um, but you can also I have a website, and again, that's just uh, Um for all of my actor updates and footage and headshots and all that. Or, of course, just search me on IMDb, and uh, you can see all my credits and my industry stuff over there. Um, Where can yeah, people... The only thing I don't got is Twitter. That's the only one I'm, I, don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Where can people find Old School? Uh, it's on Vimeo. Um, so again, if you go to my Instagram, the, the link is in my bio. If you go to my website, it's, it's under the media tab. Um, or again, just go to Vimeo.com and in the search bar, just search old school, but spell it like it is on the license plate, which is O L D S C O O L. So it's not spelled right, but you know, that's the whole point. Um, it looks, it looks like old is cool which is a punny miracle that happened for us. And one of those good old double meaning titles. I didn't even notice that until you just said that. That's, that is, that is interesting. That is lucky. <laughs> it is lucky. And I, I just did it because it fit on the life. And Zach was like, Hey, it's like old is cool. And I was like, Oh, it was definitely <laughs> intentional. Um, <laughs> yeah. Danny, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Everybody, please go out and watch this video old school it's like five or six minutes long um but it really is it's really awesome and i think if you love cars it'll definitely speak to you thank you danny so much for coming on today i really appreciate it thanks nick for having me it's been a blast man i appreciate you so much no problem i hope to uh next time you put out a video make sure you call me so that i can uh or next time you put out a film let me know so we can get you back here hell yeah man that sounds great awesome thank you thank you man have a good one you too bye bye Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out the episode today. I hope you liked it. 
Um, if you could do me a favor and go and give me a review, let me know what you think. The more reviews I get, the more feedback I get, the better I can try and make this um, podcast. I really appreciate it if you take the time to do that. Also, be sure to check out Danny's movie Old School. You can find the link in the show notes. Thank you. Have a great day.